0: Uh, Philippians, the first, the uh, second chapter. It says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any, comfort from its love. If any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, this is the word of God.
1: Thanks very much, Simon. Um, If you can have your Bibles open to Philippians chapter 2, that would be great as we go through this text. And once again, Merry Christmas, and it's great to have all of you um, here with us today. But let me pray that God will speak to us on this great day. Lord, 2,000 years ago, your word was made flesh. It became incarnate and made his dwelling among us. And Lord, we pray that that same word will be made a real this morning, as we come to this text, as we focus on the message of Christmas and what you have done for us, that that message will become real in our lives, that some of us here might meet you even today. Speak to us powerfully this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the world seems to think that Jesus was a very humble person, but you wouldn't really know it if you had heard what he said. Was he a really humble person? For example, Jesus says to the paralytic man, "Son, your sins are forgiven." What does he mean when he says, um, uh, "Son, your sins are forgiven"? He's pointing to himself. He's saying that he is God who can forgive sins, and not only that, the Son of Man is the Lord of Sabbath. Matthew twelve eight. He says uh, that. Uh, uh, that uh, some of the things that he says will make you think twice about how humble he actually is. He'll say things like, uh, if anyone has seen me, uh, he has seen the Father as well. John 14, 9, I and the Father are one. John 10, 3, before Abraham uh, was, I am. John 8, I am the way, truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. If I say these things, if I said these things, you would think that I'm terribly arrogant or not arrogant, but maybe just filled with ego or just delusional. This, this is not the words of a humble man. He, Jesus says lots of other things that seem self-aggrandizing. He never deprecates himself as less than anything less than God's only son and God himself. He unashamedly points people to himself. I point to, uh, I point others to Jesus. Jesus says, come to me and you'll be, you'll have life. Come to me and you'll be saved. He says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through him. But why does the world, and why do we consider Jesus a humble person? How can this be? Well, let me tell you. This humility makes sense. It only makes sense if it is Jesus. Jesus is God became a human being. And that's precisely what today's passage tr- affirms in verse 6. It affirms that Christmas has taken place. Take a look at verse 6. Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider himself, uh, equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. In the strongest possible terms, Paul is trying to tell you that Jesus isn't some man, a great man, but Jesus is God in his very nature. He was God. We use the form here, and it's the the Greek word there, form, uh, to mean attribute. But in Greek, it really means the nature. In his very nature, he was God. And take a moment to think about how astonishing that claim is, especially if you consider the, the context of uh, Jewish uh, theology around the time. And even now, first of all, Paul was a Jew and he's writing to people who are converted Jews, Christians and the first century were mostly converted Jews. And the thing about the Jewish people was that they absolutely believed in the oneness of God. There was only one God. And not only was there just one God, Yahweh, but he was a transcendent being. He was not somebody that you can meet. He's not somebody that you can talk to. God was this transcendent God above all of us. Remember, the famous prayer, the most famous prayer, Jewish prayer is called the Shema. It begins with, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's transcendent unapproachable, above the human realms. He was the kind of God who who could not be seen. If you saw him, you would die. That was the the Jewish belief. But Paul here is saying now that Jesus is God. That you could see him. That you could touch him. You could have touched him. He, he, He came as a human being. That Christmas actually happened. But many people out in the world think, well, actually, this... This only makes sense because um, this was a legend that developed over many years. And you know how that happens. A person dies and the story gets sort of exaggerated over the years and years and years. Maybe disciples made stuff up. But actually, that's, that's not the case that we see if we look at the Bible and we, if we look at history. Uh, because the, the disciples right away started to believe that Jesus was God right away. Throughout the uh, Jesus' life, not so much, but right after the resurrection, they started to believe that Jesus was God. Thomas, he falls at Jesus' feet right after the resurrection. He says, my Lord and my God. He confesses that Jesus is God. Is too. Uh, this letter itself, Philippians, uh, was written probably in the year 60s, early 60s, about 30 years after Jesus' death. Too small of a time frame for the legend to have developed. And not only that, this portion of Philippians, as you can see in your NIVs, it's written in hymnal form, hymn form, or a, a poem as a, as a poem. It's because it was, people believe that this was a hymn that the early believers sang. So if that's true, then it goes even earlier than the thirty years. This is very this confession that Jesus was God uh, came very very early. Not it wasn't a legend that developed many years after the fact. It came that people came to believe that Jesus was God right after. And let me tell you what difference it would make if we believe that uh, if we believe in this fact in this Christmas season. Christmas really would be about nothing else than Christ wouldn't it because this would be the most single most amazing thing to celebrate this would be the most amazing thing that would overshadow everything else the creator of the whole world the one who flung the flung the stars into space became this helpless human being it means that Christmas wouldn't be about anything else other than Jesus we wouldn't say, for example, maybe happy holiday or season's greetings. We say that, well don't we? Uh, we would say Merry Christmas because we would think that this should be about celebrating Jesus' birth and nothing else. I'm not saying that we shouldn't respect other, uh, the people of other religions. But if we all knew this fact, that, that if Jesus, uh, Jesus was God became human being, this would be the most amazing thing and we would celebrate this and nothing else. These are some of the Christmas lights that, uh, uh, Jonathan uh, took last night. Um, that's around, uh, Chui. But, you know, you can see what people in Hong Kong think Christmas is about with these Christmas lights. It's got the Santa and snowmen, uh, presents, reindeers, and these lights. There's a uh, one that says joy of the world, and then there's Santa coming, as if Santa is the one bringing the joy of the world. One of Mary's colleagues uh, thinks that uh, Christmas, is, about, uh, Christmas is, is, is Santa's birthday. No. That wouldn't be what the world celebrates if they only knew that if we saw in this baby, it's God became flesh. It would be the most amazing thing that we would celebrate. God lying in the manger... That's what we celebrate as, as Christians. This is what we believe. This is what we need to celebrate. But the second part of that statement needs to be affirmed as well. That Jesus is not only God, but then he became a human being. And that's what that also, that him that uh, Paul quotes from, affirms. He didn't just appear to be a human being, but he became one. Once again, verse 6. Later on, rather, he made himself nothing but taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Once again, Paul puts it in the strongest terms. Jesus is God who became a human being. And we see the humanity of Jesus in display in many other parts of the New Testament as well. For example, it's hard to imagine, but Jesus grew up, Luke chapter 2:40. Not only he grew up physically. In verse 52 of the same chapter, he says uh, that Jesus grew in wisdom, wisdom and stature. What does that mean? That Son of God actually grew in wisdom. It means he learned things. As he was growing, he learned maybe things about himself from the Bible. He grew in wisdom. It means that Jesus really became a human being; that he wasn't just God in appearance, of a, a form of a human, uh, in appearance of a human being, but he really became a human being. And we see that when we read in the Bible that he was thirsty, that he was hungry, that he got angry, he got sad, and he cried like like us. He became one of us so much so that people who were very close to him didn't think that he was God. That belief only came after the resurrection. People, his brothers, Jesus' brothers, had a really, really hard time believing that Jesus was God. They didn't believe it in Jesus' lifetime, but after the resurrection, James, brother of Jesus, becomes one of the chief apostles of the church because they saw God. They, they later realized that Jesus was God. But when he lived his, uh, during his life, they didn't believe it because he, he was so like human being and he was a human being. And once again, I think uh, we've talked about how it's difficult for the world to believe that Jesus was God, but I think it's also difficult to believe that Jesus became a real human being too. Uh, Jesus's birth story, just think about the Jesus' birth story. Uh, it's not, it's almost, uh, we think that this wasn't a historical event because there's so many of these sort of mythologies or legends that seem to sort of conflate together. For example, Away in a Manger. It's a great song. It's a great carol. It starts out like this, away in a manger, no crib for bed, but the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes, but little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. Well, here's a scene of baby Jesus sweetly lying in the manger and all of a sudden the cows go moo and he wakes up, but no crying he makes. Have you ever seen a newborn baby going, Yeah, that's okay, I'll just keep my cool here. <laughs> silent night, a holy night. What what night that you know when a baby was born that was silent? Was it really silent? I mean, it's a great sentiment to think, but was it really silent? We almost don't think this is a historical event. Here's another example of this uh, Van uh, a picture of Adoration of the Shepherds. One problem is, obviously, that you can see that they all are Europeans, and that's not historically accurate. Not only that, but here, the baby is glowing. He's glowing, he's shining. I mean, and we think that Jesus sort of lived this life where he sort of looked different from everybody else with this halo around him and the shine. And there was something very different about him, and that's for sure. But there was no light emanating from him in this way. Once again, when we picture Christmas, when we send Christmas cards and things to other people, we think of uh, this nativity scene almost as a cartoonish image, not a historical event that took place in Palestine with Blood and poo and crying and dirt. But that is what happened. God became a human being in Jesus Christ. The point is that he didn't just make an appearance, he became one and lived here. You know, and this wasn't like uh, the poverty tourism or things like that we often take. You know, I went to um, Thailand uh, this past uh, uh, summer. I spent a week there in an orphanage with a few others from the church. But after that week was, uh, was done, I came back home. I went and fed uh, hungry homeless people in London streets for many mornings um, when I lived there. But after each morning, I came back home. I slept in my own bed. But not so with this God. This God didn't just make a visit. He took on flesh and he came and he lived among us. He became a human being. Partly he came so that we could come to know God. We could know him. And that's an interesting thing, isn't it? That God can't be known as he is. It's like seeing the sun. As uh, one pastor, Pastor Tim Keller says, you can't look at the sun with your naked eyes. You can go, you can try. You look at the sun and uh, you can try, but it'll immediately burn your eyes. The glories of the sun is too bright for your eyes. It'll only damage you. And God, in some ways, is like that. God is this transcendent, glorious God. And we, as people right now, cannot handle God's glory. So he became a human being so we could come and meet him. We could see him and we could touch him. You know, In that uh, carol, heart the Herald, Angel sing. there's that line, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Charles Wesley, who wrote that hymn, is making a great theological point. He was veiled when he became flesh. He became something that is not. But because he did that, we get to meet him. We get to meet the real God. So Christ came as a human being. It wasn't a cartoon. Mary gave birth. The one who, give, who would give us life could have died. The one who sustains the universe became dependent. The one who's, who is omnipotent became helpless. God becomes a human being in Christmas, and that's what we affirm as Christians. But that's not all. That is not all. Paul goes on to say in verse 8, "...and being found in form of a man..." He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Not only did that baby come to show us who God is so we can meet God, but he came to serve us, even if that means dying on the cross for us. Throughout his life, he would say things like, Son of man must suffer, must be handed over, must, be, uh, must suffer, and must die. This wasn't something that happened to him. No, this was at the very heart of why Jesus came. Jesus came to die on the cross for us. I can't find who the artist is um, for this painting, but it just about captures what uh, Christmas means for us. Here is a picture of Joseph and Jesus as a toddler. And as you can see, the shadow that, that, that Jesus casts, There is in the shape of a cross. He was a human being, but he came with a mission. He came to die for us. He lives a sinless life, not for himself, but for us. So he could offer himself as an, a, an acceptable sacrifice. He died a sinner's death for us so that we might receive the rewards of his righteous life, eternal life. He carried out, verse 3, he did nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. In humility, he served us. He valued us above himself. He put us first before himself, looked out for our interest above his own. And the world would be a very different place if we had that mind of Christ, wouldn't it? Isn't this the kind of leadership that we long for around the world as we look at the world? I mean, we do everything opposite of Jesus, don't we? <laughs> Jesus is, in his very nature, God, but did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, uh, some, something to be held on to. But he became, he let that go. He became, he became humble and obedient to serve us, to even die for us. We, on the other hand, are not at all like God. But we want to be like God. We 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 grasp for it to be like God. We struggle to be like God. We uh, uh, don't uh, uh, consi- we don't uh, consider other people's um, interests first. But we want even God to serve us as if we are gods and God our servant. And that is part of the world's problem. As we look at the world that people want to be like God and enjoy the privilege of being like God how different the world would be if it had a little bit of that mind of Christ but obviously it, it's not just about that the christmas isn't just about that jesus christ humbled himself became one of us and died for us but because he did this look at what happens in verses 9 through 11 God became a human being in Jesus Christ to die for us. But even on this Christmas day, millions of people in Hong Kong and billions of people around the world will walk by this great news without knowing what this means. This is why we as Christians gather together on Sundays, not just on Christmas, but every Sunday to celebrate what this means. This is why we sing carols. We went out to sing carols last night. This is why we give gifts. But most of all, we speak of God's humility in Jesus Christ. The world needs to know that Christmas isn't about Santa's and snowman and presents and even being together with the family, as wonderful as that is. The world needs to know that the world needs to hear that the Savior has come because this is the greatest news that they would, they would ever hear if they only knew. 2,000 years ago, he came first to Bethlehem and only a few shepherds came to worship him. and a few years later, a few magi came to worship Him. But when this Jesus comes back the second time, when he comes in glory later, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is their Lord. He will be their king. And if you don't know this gift today, if you haven't yet accepted this gift, please do. Please ask God to come and reveal himself to you. Please come and talk to us afterwards. We would love to tell you more about this Christ. This is the best news that you could ever hear. As we end, I want to show you a video. Um, I came across this video that basically says a little bit of what I said. Uh, it's of Lindsay Sterling, who is this fast-rising violinist. Uh, actually, it's, it's in the program. So if you go back to the program. Lindsay Sterling, who's a uh, violinist as a, a uh, and a dancer and it's uh, a little bit of of her experience um we won't watch the end but she talks a little bit about how humbling this experience was for her so let's take a look